Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Annie. And welcome to the research room, a space to make research by the people for the people. And today, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> today, uh, we're going to continue with talking about resilience. Um, we wanted to devote this whole month to resilience. And uh, so last time we talked about just like, in general, what are resilience paths? Um, what can you expect when you like see some of this literature? Um, but now we want to talk uh, specifically about like the outcomes uh, and like what might be affecting some of these outcomes. Um, so we came across this paper uh, called Comprehensive Meta-Analysis of Resilience Interventions, a nice short time title for once. Um, <laughs> They're and, long for me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, but I, I think uh, hopefully, I mean, it's like maybe a third of the size of normal papers. <laughs> sure. um, so this was by Lynn and her colleagues uh, back in 2020. And so uh, it, it's another meta-analysis. Um, so this was another collection of studies. Um, they wanted to find every single study that they could that tried to increase resilience uh, and then seeing basically any outcome uh, from that. Um, so in this, uh, I mean, it's, it's a massive study. Um, they had 268 uh, individual studies that they included in this, which is like insane. Like uh, <laughs> how long would that take to even read that many papers? That, like, no thanks. Um, so I'm glad <laughs> that they did this. Um, and so, uh, oh, actually, uh, so they had that many studies and then also within those studies, so one study might have like multiple different um, samples within that study uh, that like they're testing multiple things. Um, and so actually they have uh, 1,548 samples um, from these studies, um, which is, yeah, insane. And I think we can make some nice conclusions uh, based off of those numbers. Um, mm -hmm. But I think also we'll find that like, even though it is super comp comprehensive, we will still have plenty of questions. Uh, and that's that's kind of just the way that psychology goes. Um, and so we always have to kind of like continue thinking like critically about everything that's happening here. So um, I guess I'll just, I'll briefly say um, what a definition for resilience is just that we have this like working kind of definition for everyone's, uh, for uh, everyone that might be listening. Um, so this is one's ability to recover or respond to challenges and change in an adaptive manner. Um, some might call it uh, like an individual like trait of yours. Um, some might say it's uh, the actual like characteristics about them. It's like um, how they might interact with people. It's like uh, how, how, how are they interacting with uh, other people or like other like things that are happening in their context. Um, so all of that together like goes into this and hopefully that um, in either kind of way, um, it's how they're responding to the, an actual stressor uh, that's occurring. Um, so for this paper, <clears throat> um, all studies had to have an intervention of some sort. So every well, single one of these had the intention to try to increase resilience. Not all of them necessarily did, um, but uh, that was the, at least their intention going into it. And then they wanted to see any other outcomes uh, from that. So uh, some possible outcomes, or actually all the outcomes that they ended up looking at um, were uh, specific actions that they might take um, becoming after becoming uh, resilient or not. Um, any biophysical sort of things. Um, so things like maybe your heart rate or like, um, like other physiological uh, sort of uh, factors. Um, then there's also coping. Um, so how did people end up coping after this? Um, their emotions, um, how positive or negative were they feeling? 
um, their actual resilience. Um, did they end up becoming more resilient or not? Uh, symptoms. Um, so what this is like uh, specifically for like patients, um, any kind of symptoms that they might've uh, been going through, did they have a reduction in those symptoms? And then overall well-being. Um, but it doesn't just stop here. Um, that would be more than enough, right? Uh, to just see that relation. But they also wanted to see what might be changing this moderation, uh, this uh, association, sorry, through moderation. Um, so uh, they wanted to see in certain cases, um, is this effect larger? Is this effect smaller? Is it like, does it completely wipe out this effect? Things like that. Um, so those moderators, um, so these are just like other things that we should be thinking about are um, age, gender, the length of the intervention itself, the intervention approach. Um, so uh, that just means that there's different ways that they try to increase resilience. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Um, the intervention target itself. Um, so uh, were they uh, like uh, in, in some like school setting, were they a patient uh, population, things like that. Um, and then uh, the level of risk exposure. Um, uh, is it uh, is it low? Is it moderate? Is it high? Um, just like in their natural environments, um, were they more prone to um, um, coming across like stress in, in general? Um, so that's uh, those are all the moderators. So you can imagine now there's so many different analyses that are here, so many different outcomes here. Um, and they have table. I think that table that uh, has all the um, outcomes like that spanned over like three pages. Three like, pages, yeah. just that table, which <laughs> full is full of tables, right? Lives uh, full of statistics, um, mm -hmm. and like we are not going to go through all of them <laughs> for your sake and for our sake, um, but we we do want to highlight some things here. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for the most part, um, yes, they were able to increase uh, resilience here. Uh, so um, it's, it's not necessarily like a, a super like large effect. It's not going to like be like so life changing uh, by, by uh, coming into one of these studies. But overall, the, that was the trend uh, that um, they're able to increase resilience. And that resilience um, then ended up relating to um, all these other things, um, the action, the biophysical things, the coping uh, sorts of things. But um, there's uh, a lot of different like things uh, that um, like temper some of our enthusiasm with this is that it doesn't as strongly uh, relate to all of these outcomes. Um, and like one in particular is that it didn't really relate to the biophysical outcomes. That was like the weakest one, even though like in the study, they say there is a reliable association. It is so small that it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, close to undetectable. Yes. Right, exactly. Um, I'm just looking at my notes so that I can see if, uh, what was that largest one? Oh, so largest I think was with action. Um, so this was, um, yeah, are they, are they performing any better um, uh, in their behaviors? Are they like adhering uh, to the things uh, that they need to adhere to? Um, are they, yeah, are they engaging um, in, in the kinds of behaviors that they need to be engaging in? Um, and that was the strongest one. Um, but also for uh, coping, for emotions, for resilience, uh, for their symptoms, like all of that ended up uh, also positively relating. Um, but again, now the other wrinkle is that um, there were different moderators that ended up changing those the sizes of those effects. So the one, um, the like, clearest one, I would say, is age. Um, most mm. of these were for uh, adults, and it worked. Sorry, it worked for adults. It didn't necessarily work for uh, children or for teens. Um, and so that's uh, we'll we'll definitely tackle that a little bit more uh, as we continue talking. Um, 
trying to see what were some of the other major moderators um, before we... I think uh, some of them were the risk of target populations. So like some of the interventions more were more effective for moderate risk population mm -hmm. uh, compared to low than like extremely high. Mm -hmm. So that was also one interesting finding um, from this paper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's a super interesting thing mm -hmm. um, that like, how do you know when to intervene? And so this kind of like tells us a little bit of an answer, but like, again, like everything, everything is subject to change here. Like uh, nothing that we say is like, this is absolutely the truth. Um, like it's going to depend on the situation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to know that like, if you try to do this with people that are like at too high of a level of like stress already and like they're they're just their environment isn't like secure enough um like maybe it's not it's not going to be useful to like mm -hmm. help psychologically uh, with resilience like there's probably other things that you should be doing yeah. in, in that case so maybe it's like too late then you know mm -hmm. yeah but sometimes it does work and so it gets super confusing right yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean i think like one interesting um, aspect about this paper is that like uh, last week you know we talked about how resilience is affected by so many things in the environment mm. like it's not really only about yourself but like who you interact with and you know whether your government is supportive and etc et mm. and I think this paper is a really good continuation of that like uh, characteristic about resilience is very mm. complex not one you know interventions works for everyone and of course you know your age your background your your risk level all of these you know um, affect whether you know resilience interventions will actually be effective in promoting your mental and physical health yeah, no, super well said. Um, and I, I think that's, that's exactly right. Like I, when it comes to resilience, we always have to continue thinking about like how multifaceted it is. Uh, it's not just about the individual. It's not even just about the environment, right? It's, it's definitely a mixture of these things. And like what goes into the environment is so many different, like it's not just one thing as well, right? Like it's like 10, 20 different things at least, right? Um, probably more, but like at least like for the most important things that might be infect, uh, affecting us. Um, so actually, maybe that that leads me to like my first question here is that um because this mostly just worked for adults um what what do you make of that like why why do you think this didn't end up working for the youth as opposed to adults yeah that was i would say that was the one really discouraging finding <laughs> that i found from this paper because you know we talked a lot about youth and adolescence in our previous podcast and you know what can we actually do to you know, decreased depression among those uh, population. But, you know, that's life. And <laughs> I think um, I think this is an interesting aspect where, you know, as you age, you get to experience, you know, more hardships, but then you also experience, you have more experience like getting through these stresses. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing, you know, these experiences accumulated that leaves you, you know, um, respond better to any interventions that mm. aims to promote resilience and even you know there are definitely some findings published during COVID um, showing that like uh, people who are older uh, tend to cope better with like stresses from COVID mm. like you know loss of jobs you know loss of your loved ones and etc and I think in, even in that paper they try also 
to explain this uh, association between age and resilience uh, through you know, more experience, uh, life experience. So I'm guessing that's one you know, reason why in this paper, they also find you know, adults tend to uh, better respond to resilience interventions. Mm. Uh, but what's your opinion? Alex. Yeah, uh, so I have maybe like three opinions <laughs> just uh, based on what you just said. <laughs> a lot already. <laughs> um, so I think that's such a good uh, a thought though, right? Like like literally as you age, you just have more experience and you know how to like deal with things better, right? Like not, not everything is now a novel like stressor that you're like seeing for the first time. Like you, even if, it's, if you've seen it for a second time, like now you at least know a little bit more about like how you react to it. And like, I know that like in the past, this didn't work out. So like maybe I can do something else. Um, and then I think also like the idea, so I guess my mind is kind of going to like, when you, when people talk about like acting, like, oh, so I'm going to take this like completely out of psychology for a little mm -hmm. bit, <clears throat> but when people talk about acting, right, like it's, it's very hard for someone uh, to act when they're young to like try to express the emotions mm. that like a fully grown adult might be experiencing, mm. right? Um, and it's not because like children suck <laughs> uh, for lack of better terms, mm. um, but it's because of life experience. Like if you haven't actually experienced heartbreak before, if you haven't actually experienced like, I don't know, like what it might be to like lose a child or something like that, right? Like, of course, like you are a child yourself. Like, how could you know what, what that uh, feels like? Um, so it's this idea of like experience that like, yeah, you just have fuller, richer experiences to draw from. And like, that's that's good for like emotion regulation kind of skills. Um, and just knowing like, how to how to approach the problems um so I, I i'm on board with that i don't know like it hasn't been like validated or anything necessarily um, but i think it's a, it's a really good like thought um to be thinking about um there is also like i mean there maybe there is some validation actually with this um there's the socio-emotional um theory uh which i'm blanking is that actually what it's called but it's something like that um but just uh, literally as people get older um they end up uh dealing better i mean oh, dang it i should have looked this up before i'm <laughs> um, coming here um but I, I didn't even think about it until you said this um so uh the the gist is though that like people end up being less stressed the older that they get uh, and that mm. is a combination of things uh, it's also like this idea of experience but it's also like people know how to um like select their their environments a little bit better um they know like hey i when i'm in this certain situation i am very stressed out so i'm just not going to do it anymore right um whereas like children uh, and teens like they're trying all these new like different things and like again everything is novel everything's kind of stressful um they don't necessarily know what to do with that just yet um mm -hmm. So I think there, there's like at least the theoretical uh, support there as well. Um, in a different direction, <laughs> uh, there is also the brain development kind of stuff, right? Um, that uh, as, as you get older, um, I mean, yes, a lot of your brain is intact um, already by the time that you're a teen, but like some of the most important parts uh, for like uh, thinking about like resilience and emotion regulation again like that doesn't really come fully online until we are older um at least like 25 or so um so yeah i mean just like thinking about like how how could we expect uh, an adolescent or a child to be like fully resilient in the same way that an adult could be mm. um and like to be able to learn uh, what it means to be resilient without like the brain literally can't function <laughs> in, yeah, in that kind of way. Yeah. That actually brings me to another point is mm. that like related to what you just mentioned, I'm thinking maybe it's also about like self-efficacy. 
So, you know, mm. for adults, once you become an adult, like you have more control over your environment. You don't have mm. to depend on others. And it's really you that who has to take action about your life, about your emotions. But, you know, for youth and children, they are still more dependent, like, mm. uh, to their parents or to their friends. And um, so maybe, like, the perceptions about, like, self-efficacy, like, how much they can actually take action to change their environment is much less so uh, than those like who are adults. So maybe that's like one of the reasons why they responded less to these interventions, because, you know, it's not, they may feel it's not really about them, but like, you know, other things, they are still like dependent on other things in their environment. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe that's one reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. I think that's totally reason. Um, this idea of like agency and independence and things like that, right? Um, mm. That I mean, yeah. As an adult, you literally have resources. Like as a child, you don't have resources. Like you have the resources that are given to you. But like as an adult, you have your own money. You have your own house. You have your own car potentially. Like you have your insurance. Like and then you understand like the ins and outs of like how your insurance works. Like as a child, you don't know that, right? Like you're just kind of <laughs> here for the experience until you have it for yourself mm -hmm. um so i think all of that like yeah definitely matters so much so like i guess something that we it might be helpful to talk about then is what might be effective mm. for like adolescents and children mm -hmm. and you know based on all of our points so far about like the agency about like you know self-efficacy and control um I think maybe like, you know, there, there were so many interventions that were used in this paper, you know, physical activity, mindfulness, and, you know, all these other things. And maybe because of their lack, relative lack of like uh, perceptions of control, maybe social support, you know, could be mm -hmm. the biggest factor for younger people, younger adults, children, um, because, you know, they tend to be more dependent on their social networks. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think that's the main point of the paper. That's, but that's just one thought uh, mm -hmm. that I have. No, I, I think it's a good point to raise um, because, yeah, um, if, if this doesn't work, what does work? Like, we can't just say, like, oh, this doesn't work. And like, oh, that's it. That's in the story. Um, yeah, what can we do for children uh, in that case? And I think social support uh, is one of the major ones, uh, for sure. Um, it's, it's basically anything that would help regulate right so anything else uh in addition to their own individual resources um which i mean there are some but like they're just not fully developed yet so anything that can aid in that uh, anything that can help uh, experience um help process the experience a little bit more mm -hmm. uh social support would be one of those um but also like anything else that might be just like kind of like cathartic right like uh, like thinking of uh, like if you need to release your emotions things like listening to music um and that's just another resource um that isn't necessarily like it's not innate to you but like it's something that additional that we can add as a researcher um or as an interventionist or whatever um and actually that's like kind of one of the coolest things that i found about this paper um was that like they didn't necessarily find effects when it was like an evidence-based intervention <laughs> yeah where, every, which, everyone uses that right but, you know exactly um it was uh, what they ended up calling <laughs> alternative methods um which uh was things like um listening to music or it was like petting <laughs> your uh, like 
like animal like therapy like sort of stuff like if you can mm-hmm. pet an animal like that actually helps <laughs> make you a bit more resilient um and I, I think again it's like it's just it's something to unload the stress that's already within you and so that like you literally just have more space to be be resilient at that point right mm. um if you uh something sorry I'll, I'll say this one quick thing i'll let you talk a little bit more <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um is that like something that we talked about in the last episode was also like this idea of uh like stress just compounds um and it compounds more for other people because there's just literally more things to be stressed out about um like let's say if you're an ethnic minority um and you're just trying to assimilate uh to the mainstream culture there's so many other things that are happening in your life as opposed to if you are already the majority ethnicity um and so those stressors compound uh in a in a way that's just kind of in the background but if you can like somehow unload that (laughs) that stress then you're kind of at the same like starting point now um and like maybe some other stressor happens like two people one of uh, ethnic minority and one of uh, the ethnic majority and Mm -hmm. then you can like you can look as resilient as the person even though like potentially you have been more resilient (laughs) and you've had to be more resilient uh, longer um so yeah uh, what were you gonna say yeah, I know. Um, I mean, it, it is kind of related to your point. Um, but then we really need to, you know, let go of our stress and, you know, whatever tension that we have, like, uh, inside us, like, mm-hmm. in order to, to really, uh, like, promote our psychological well being. But then one thing that surprised me was that uh, the um, effects of resilience interventions on biophysical outcomes, Mm. they were non-existent like Mm. in this paper. And it's interesting because prior work uh, shows that the more you let go of your negative emotions and negative feelings and negative thoughts, the better health uh, follows usually Mm -hmm. uh, because you tend to be less uh, tense like physically also, once you let go of your negative emotions. Mm. But that link, you know, isn't really evident uh, in this meta-analysis. So, um, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Alex? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think, honestly, the, the biggest thing in my head is just a stupid, like, methodological thing. And, like, because I, I kind of believe that there probably is an effect, right? Um, but mm-hmm. it's because that it... Um, they are trying to collapse across so many different categories of health that like, it's really hard to find that effect. Like it's hard enough to find that effect if it was just one thing, like if it was just, let's say heart rate variability or something like that, or like maybe cortisol levels. Um, but like now you're trying to uh, average across like different bodily systems and like trying to find that effect is just, it makes it that much harder. Um, mm. Because also, I mean, depending on the person, like Uh, you can increase in heart rate variability and like that could be healthy. Sometimes you can also decrease in heart rate variability and that can be healthy. Like, it's it's a hard it's a it's um because it's not a direct measure uh, necessarily, um, right? It's it's to reflect to your health, but it's not necessarily your health. Um, So those are kind of my thoughts on that. Um, I have a different opinion about this. So um, although I'm not saying uh, I (laughs) I don't agree with your opinion, Uh which uh, it was. Uh, totally plausible but my um, initial thought was that like for things like emotions and thoughts like these things can be quite changed uh, you know in a short term like you just Mm. need to change how you think about things and obviously the way you feel can um, change instantly depending on external like factors Mm. but I feel like the physical outcomes you know like your actual physical health 
um, it takes a bit longer to mm. you know find effects on these outcomes. So maybe one possibility is that because you know a lot of these uh, experiments included in this, in this meta-analysis uh, really examine the outcomes in the short term rather than like longitudinally. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's like one reason they didn't detect an effect like on mm-hmm. biophysical outcomes. But if they did, you know, follow up, like, I mean, continued with these interventions and follow up a uh, year after or two years after, maybe then, you know, you'll see these changes on physical health as well. Um, so that's one thought. Yeah, no, I, I like that thought. Um, and I, I think that's also definitely a factor here. Um, because yes, uh, things to change for things to change in the body, just for, from your psychology, like it does take a while. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, some things are very um, quick, some things are take quite a while. Um, mm. So, I mean, heart rate, they're quite right. instant, but like other things, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give the example again of like cortisol. Um, so cortisol is a stress response. Um, that people have. Uh, I mean, it's something that is produced from the stress response. It's not the actual stress response. Um, but uh, the, if depending on how you measure cortisol, uh, if you measure it in your saliva, which is one way that you can get cortisol, um, that is fairly instant. Um, I mean, it's not completely instant. It's like it takes still like 15, 20, 30 minutes um, to see any kind of effect, but you do see it relatively quickly. If you were to measure it in your blood, that would take much longer. Um, and, and you can imagine why, like for things to get processed and to like actually like start making effects in like your actual blood system, um, that's going to take maybe six months, maybe a year um, to like start to see that. And like, again, yeah, because we're trying to average across so many different like health mm. systems, um, how can you reliably like see that effect? Right. Um, so I think uh, I, I will say both of us, <laughs> we have <laughs> figured out our why. opinions combined, <laughs> yeah. you know, can explain why this why they didn't find an effect on biophysical outcomes Mm -hmm. Mm um i i I do think it's kind of related though it's like they they did make the authors they made a point of that um coping emotions and the biophysical uh, outcomes all three of those were like the smallest outcomes uh uh, the smallest effects uh in this study um and I, I think they are all kind of like related, related reasons, um, because also kind of what you're saying about like this idea of like timing, um, timing is super important. And when you're trying to think of like how people might be coping and like how, um, the, uh, like how positive they're feeling, how negative they're feeling, like in different moments, right? Like you just, you need different measures for all this. Like you need to, maybe for some things, they need to be like super instantaneous and for other things, you need to like wait a little bit longer and, and see, and that's all going to affect what we end up seeing uh, with this. And like, that's, that's up to the researchers uh, to like figure out like what's the right timing um, to, mm-hmm. to actually do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, these kinds of things, they fluctuate just so much all the time, as opposed to like something like maybe symptoms. Like if, if you're doing something well, uh, your symptoms will probably decrease, right? Like if you're, if you have a cold, as you get better, um, your uh, like stuffy nose is going to go away. Your coughing is going to decrease, like things like that. Right. Um, so like that, that's a little bit more reliable and it's definitely like an outcome that you can measure at the end of the study. Um, and they found like a larger effect there as opposed to like emotions, which like sometimes you're feeling a little bit more positive. Sometimes you're feeling a bit more negative and like what does that really mean like resilience is a lot of different things it's the whole pathway uh, and sometimes that pathway is negative sometimes that pathway is positive and you know resilience doesn't just happen like instantly also like mm. although you know this uh, meta-analysis was really 
helpful, you know, trying to figure out when, you know, these interventions are effective and for whom. But then, you know, um, it, it, I think one uh, lesson that we need to get, at, need to at least think about, like after reading this paper is that like, even those ones that were found to be effective, you know, they need to be like consistent. Like if, you know, this music therapy was effective for, you know, promoting resilience, that also means that we need to keep doing it in order mm-hmm. to really, you know, um, build our ability to be resilient in different situations and also for longer. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just great. I guess yeah. one lesson no. that I thought to myself. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's such a good point again. Um, that like, it just, it, it takes a while to do this, right? Like it, it has to be a habit. It can't just be like instantaneous. Um, and if we, and like, as everyone kind of does, like we have negative thoughts about ourselves, right? Like, yeah. but that doesn't mean you're not resilient. It's just at the end of the day, like, what do you do with that negative thought? Do you end up like moving past it? Do you accept it? Like, what do you, or do you act, like actively like try to like, figure it out or like whatever um or do you just kind of like let it linger and let it like continue like uh taking control of you um and like that that takes us a long time <laughs> to figure mm-hmm. out right yeah. um so i know I, I think that's that's a good point um as well yeah. um i'm looking at the time we do have a little bit more time <laughs> and i i i want to try to address um anything that you want to say on the idea of severity um, and why that might change this this, uh, result here? I mean, one thought that I had was that obviously, you know, any interventions will be more effective for people who need them, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So to some extent, that kind of explains why these interventions were more effective for at least, uh, you know, population with some level of risk, right? Mm. But then one uh, additional interesting aspect is that, yes, uh, interventions are more effective for people who are in need, but then um, you don't want to be too late, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because these interventions weren't so much effective for really high, you know, um, risk population for, but more effective for moderate uh, risk populations. So that's my, you know, my take, um, you know, uh, we talked about timing, but then I think it, it is, you know, similar to your point about the timing is that we need to, you know, find the right timing so that we're not too late mm-hmm. um, to, in trying to promote resilience, but then we really need to identify the targets who really need these interventions uh, for them to be effective. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I'll, I'll reiterate uh, one mm-hmm. thing that you said that I, I really liked as well that like also I didn't quite click in my head until you just said it. Um, but like they did find that if, if an intervention was effective, it was effective for people that were uh, moderate uh, or um, high risk uh, at the very least. It was, I don't think at least uh, it was ever the case that for low risk people that this ended up working. And if they did, it was like so small an effect. Relatively, um, yeah, it was smaller for low level yeah, risk right. population. Um, so just the idea that like, uh, what, who are you trying to intervene on? Uh, you, hopefully you're doing it for the people that like actually need it. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, there's something to be said about like, um, 
you can intervene on on healthy populations and like hopefully you can set them up for like in the future because like we're all at some point going to be facing like some huge like traumatic like stressors right um so hopefully that this will just prevent outright like the super negative effects of those those traumatic stressors um but hopefully we're also and like mostly uh focusing on the people that like i mean in the moment like there's people in need uh and hopefully we are focusing our resources on those people um and uh, i mean this is at least like a little bit um uh, telling that like we we should be uh, like like we can actually get some pretty good effects if we target those people that are most in need um but mm -hmm. then it, it does uh, there's the caveat of course of like you can't wait too long uh because after a certain point like if you're just trying to like make someone more resilient it's like go away like i my <laughs> life sucks uh, i'm going through a lot here like give me something more tangible than <laughs> like making me feel more yeah. resilient um so i i can definitely i i can uh that resonates within me <laughs> yeah and um maybe because you know we're near uh we're in, we we have limited time one thing that i want to mention before we end is that mm -hmm. like Sometimes there are, you know, definitely instances where I feel that I'm drained and I'm stressed mm. and, um, you know, sometimes like I'm reluctant to take action, but rather just think that, oh, this will pass, you know, like everything will pass with time. But mm -hmm. uh, at least like after reading this paper, um, it tells me that it's better to take any kind of action rather than just do nothing and wait hmm. because you know there were so many different interventions that were included in this paper uh, that tried to promote resilience and even small like they were still effective right so you know listening to music and you know doing some physical activities trying to be mindfulness you know taking action is really important uh, mm -hmm. when you are feeling um, stressful and that also reminds me to help others too. Like sometimes <laughs> yes. I don't want to, you know, when I see other people being stressed, sometimes I don't want to intervene because, you know, I don't want to be too nosy or, you know, I don't want to stress them out even more. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, uh, trying to intervene and trying to be a good social support when they actually need it, you know, could really be effective in promoting resilience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, my two takes from yeah. that paper. No, th those were such a good uh, messages, I think. Um, and I, that's, I think, how we'll end it. Um, that, like, uh, when, if you can, uh, like, just try something out. Like, they, these are, there are some very low stakes things here, right? Like, listening to music. Uh, like, yeah, if that's going to make you more resilient, try it out. Why not? Um, although, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get into <laughs> that, actually, because <laughs> there's potentially cons uh, to that as well, uh, like, a negative side to it. But, um, if you're if you're really in need right like something that can alleviate that stress like could be something like music um and yeah uh we uh, as a society like we could definitely just use a little bit more helpfulness and a little bit more positivity <laughs> from those around us uh so i, I very much echo uh, what you're saying there um on that note um what, what's coming up um next week we're going to be talking more about resilience uh we are going to be talking um even more about like the pr actual predictors of resilience here so uh, in this paper we uh, talked about interventions that try to increase resilience but like also like what is that like what does that mean like how could they even try to um increase something like this um but also like 
how how is it naturally happening? Um, what are some of the things that like are naturally occurring in people and naturally occurring in the world around them that is making mm-hmm. people resilient? And I think that's that's uh, going to be our focus for next week. Um, so until then, uh, feel free to check out any of our uh, work. Um, we still have all of our, our visuals. Uh, we have these podcast episodes and our write-ups. Um, feel free to check those out on roomforresearch.com. And then also we have uh, everything on social media. Uh, feel free to check us out there again at Re- Room for Research. Uh, and uh, that is going to be all for today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Bye for now. The sun will breathe.